diviners, and cosmic beings. I'm your host, Laurel, and welcome to the Simply Witchery podcast, where we discuss witchery, ritual, the divine, and magic of all sorts. This week, I'm talking all about tarot. I'll cover everything you need to know to get started, how to pick a deck, how to do your first reading, and I'll touch on tarot ethics. This week in Magic and Me, I discuss using the cards in rituals and magic, and then do the usual readings for the collective and a lucky listener in tarot time. This week's new edition is the Meditation Station, where I'll talk about this week's meditation. Hello, hello everyone. Let's get into talking about tarot, shall we? Tarot is a subset of cartomancy, and cartomancy is defined as divination through a random selection of cards. Today we're just going to talk about tarot, but I wanted you to know that there are several other cartomancy systems. All you need is a deck of cards and a willingness to learn and to receive a message from something outside yourself, be it the divine, a source, a spirit, the universe itself, or anything else that you wish. In the beginning, tarot can be a daunting thing. There are a lot of cards with a lot of complex meanings. It's a lot to remember, and it often feels like you'll never do it the right way. Let me be clear that there really is no right way to read tarot, just like there is no right way to be a witch or a pagan. There is only the way that you are led to do it. The way you do it is just as correct as the way I do it, even if we do wildly different things in our practice. So use your intuition and make up your own mind about what's right for you. I remember feeling like I was going to do everything wrong and ruin my life. Try to keep yourself grounded in the present. That's not going to happen even if you horribly botch the reading. You're also not going to summon any demons or open any gateways while reading tarot. It takes a whole lot of intentional action to do that, and just pulling cards and asking questions won't cut it. Now, with that little disclaimer, let's start at the beginning. How do you pick a deck? I always advise folks to pick a deck based on what kinds of imagery they are attracted to. Do you love fairies, angels, horses, cats, pop culture, or planets? There is a tarot deck out there centered on just about everything you can think of. Google it. You'll find something. Make sure the deck you decide on comes with a good guidebook. Trust me, it'll make your life so much easier in the long run. If you're a budget witch and you want to make sure that you like reading the tarot before you invest, there are several decks available for free online that you can print out. I printed my first deck out on cardstock and started doing readings that way. Then when I was sure it was something I wanted to pursue, I bought a deck. The internet also doubles as a guidebook, but make sure you're critical of your sources. Remember that there is no one right answer or interpretation of the cards. Another little side note, it's a myth that your first deck needs to be a gift from someone else. Your ability to effectively read cards is based only on how much effort you put into it and nothing else. Alright, so now you have your new deck in hand. Now what? Make sure your guidebook is closed and just start pulling cards and asking questions. I'd recommend starting out by keeping the questions you ask about yourself, but some folks struggle with reading for themselves, so feel free to ask others if you feel like you need to. Just be sure you're upfront about your experience level. I started out reading for others by doing free readings on Tumblr in exchange for feedback. 
don't feel like you're a bad reader just because you need to use the guidebook when you're starting out. We all start there, and it takes a lot of time and effort to memorize a few key words for each card, much less paragraphs of interpretations and correspondences. Other than just doing readings, some great ways to connect with your deck is to sleep with it in your bed with you, interview spreads, and just play with or hold the cards. When I do readings for myself, I'm fairly casual these days. I think tarot should be fun and relaxing, and so I make it a fun and relaxing thing to do. I don't do anything special to prepare for personal readings. I don't usually put anything on my altar when I do either. That's a thing for deities and clients, except in special circumstances where I feel like I really need the ritual. You might feel called to light a candle, give an offering to the universe, do a self-cleansing ritual, ground yourself, put up wards to protect yourself and your space, or do all or none of those things. Any space is sacred if you decide it is, and you don't even necessarily need a sacred space to read tarot. It's up to you and what you feel called to do in your own practice. Once your space is set up the way you want it, it's time to shuffle the cards. I shuffle hand over hand three times, and then shuffle using the bridge method three times. In my experience as a community, the way a reader shuffles is as diverse as the readers themselves. Try as many different ways as you can, and do what feels right to you. There are also a lot of ways to draw cards. Obviously, you can draw from the top of the deck, but you can also cut the deck and take cards from there. You can spread the cards into a line and choose intuitively. You can even draw from the bottom of the deck. I draw cards by holding the deck in one hand and drawing my thumb along the edge of the cards with the other and picking cards that give me what I can only describe as a hot, tingly feeling when I touch it. Then you interpret the cards. I recommend you take notes so that you can look back on your past readings and see your progress as you get better. It's a good way to boost your confidence. Now for some study tips. My best tip is to create a list of keywords for each card so that you have a quick reference guide to refer to that still allows you to exercise your intuition. Read the passage in your guidebook for a specific card, and then pick out keywords from the text and create a list. I made a chart in Word so that I could print them out and glue them into my grimoire for easy reference. If you're interested in seeing my keyword spreadsheet that I made as a baby tarot reader, hit me up on social media or email me, and if there's enough interest, I'll put it up somewhere where you can download it. Other than keywords and practice, the best advice I have for new readers is to know yourself. Think about how you learn best. Are you an auditory, visual, reading, slash writing, or a kinesthetic learner? Lean into the way you learn best. There are no rules in learning and tarot except for the rules you make for yourself and the boundaries of ethical practices. If you aren't sure what kind of learner you are, there are plenty of resources as well as some quizzes that you can take online. Personally, I'm a reading slash writing learner, which means I learn best when I read something and then write it down in my own words. So I make it a point to take lots of notes and read as much as I can about tarot and anything else I want to learn about. An auditory learner will probably like podcasts or lectures best because they learn best by hearing. A visual learner might learn best from YouTube videos so that they can see the thing they're learning about. And a kinesthetic learner will learn best by just doing the thing they want to learn. No matter what kind of learner you are, make your life easier by doing what's easiest for you. And don't confine yourself to the way other people learn things. Over time, you will come to a point where you're fairly comfortable doing readings. You will know what works best for you and how to put those things into practice. You'll be ready to take the leap and leave the guidebook behind, or at the very least, to stop using it as much. 
Always remember that there is nothing wrong with looking up a card, no matter how long you've been practicing tarot. Just because you put the book down doesn't mean it's gone forever. Go back to it when you need to. Remember in the beginning when I advised you to pick a deck based on imagery that you're attracted to? This is why. To do a reading, draw cards as you're called to. Once you have them all in front of you, look closely at them. What is in the image on the card? What do things you see make you think of? How does the image make you feel? If it's a minor, what suit is the card? What element does that suit represent, and what is the nature of that element? What number is the card, and what does numerology tell you about that number? If it's a major, what symbolism does the name of the card invoke in you? Do the cards you've pulled have an individual message or a single united one? These are the questions I generally ask myself as I'm pulling cards and intuitively interpreting them. If I draw a blank on the card, I'll then refer to my keywords, and that usually will solve my problem. In the rare case where it doesn't, I'll crack open the guidebook and read the creator's words so that I can gain some insight into their thought process, and that helps where all else fails. This process can feel pretty daunting because you have to trust yourself and your intuition, but it's a great way to expand your intuitive gifts and to gain confidence in them at the same time. If you get something wrong in a reading, don't worry about it. We all mess up sometimes. Just realign yourself with your intuition and the source and try again. Now I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about tarot ethics. It's very important to practice ethical tarot. When you do a reading for others, they are putting their faith and trust in you as a reader. If you're not motivated by the right things and do not consider the consequences of your words, then you could possibly do some very serious, perhaps irreversible damage to that person. The cards all have a truth in them. Sometimes that truth is difficult for a person to accept, but you as a reader never have all the answers or a complete perspective on a situation. This is why I have rules when I do tarot readings, even when I'm getting paid to do them. I don't do third-party readings. It is unethical, in my opinion, to read cards on a person who has not consented to it. It's an invasion of privacy, pure and simple. Aside from the consent issues, I find it difficult and sometimes even painful to touch the energies of others that are not open to my energy touching them. As a tarot reader, when I do readings for others, I use a blend of my own intuition and the energy of the querent to gain insight from the source. Without the energy of the person who the question is about, it is difficult to get accurate insights. Another rule I have is that I don't read for timelines. In my practice, tarot is a tool to gain perspective so that the querent can make choices and changes to support the outcome that they want in a given situation. I do not believe that tarot is actually capable of giving timelines. I believe that the free will of humanity makes it impossible to accurately predict. Every choice we make changes the trajectory of our lives and experiences, and nothing is ever set in stone. I have used other methods to predict timelines, but I always preface those readings by saying that the answer I give is only true in the moment that I give them, and something in the next moment could change the outcome. There are, of course, plenty of other readers who feel differently than I do, and I urge you to turn to them if this perspective doesn't resonate with you. I do, however, ask that you turn within as well, and ask yourself why you feel the need to have a timeline in which something will happen. Is it your high self asking this question for the betterment of the whole, or is it your ego demanding that it gets what it wants in a timely manner? Whatever you choose to do moving forward, I ask that you be careful and consider the consequences this line of questioning may have for you or your clients. 
Up next, in Magic and Me, I'll give you some insight on how I use tarot and magic outside of doing readings. This week, I want to talk about how you can incorporate the tarot into spells and rituals. One of the most amazing things about tarot is that it is so multifaceted and universal in its study of the human experience and of all the things beyond us. No matter what you're going through in life, there is a tarot card to represent your struggle. The tarot grows and evolves as we do as a society, and our understanding of it changes as our values and focus as a collective changes. Because of this beautiful, wonderful truth, tarot can be used in a multitude of different ways other than reading the cards. Keeping a card out on your altar or in your sacred space can have a powerful effect on you as an individual, your practice, and on your magic. I use tarot cards to represent qualities that I want to embody, energies I want to invite into my life, representations of deities that I'm working with, and as pillars of power in spells and rituals. Right now, on my altar is the world and an oracle card for Yasad. I am currently focused on studying Kabbalah, and I am studying Yasad specifically right now. The world is about completion and the ending of a cycle, and I am currently ending cycles in my practice. Another example is, if I were putting together a spell to expand my intuition, I would grab the High Priestess out of one of my decks and place it on my altar with my spell components as a signifier of the area of myself that I wish to expand. For a binding spell, I might use the Devil. For a self-love ritual, I would pull the Nine of Pentacles. And for a healing spell, I would call on the Star. There are boundless different ways to use the tarot and spell work. Think about the meanings of each of the cards and place them on your altar with intent. I've created whole spells using only a tarot deck and visualization techniques. Here's my favorite tarot ritual to perform. It's a manifestation ritual that can be tweaked to manifest just about anything. The ritual I'll share with you is a ritual to manifest emotional balance. First, choose what tarot deck or decks you'd like to use. Mixing and matching based on what decks have your favorite artwork is a great way to make the ritual personal to you. Pull the Magician, the Star, Justice, Two of Pentacles, Ace of Cups, Knight of Cups, and the Knight of Pentacles. You can arrange the cards however you like on your altar, but I like to use the majors as overarching themes and then get specific with the minors. I would place the Magician, the Star, and Justice in a line at the top, and then place the Knight of Pentacles under the Magician, the Knight of Cups under the Star, the Two of Pentacles under Justice, and the Ace of Cups on its own beneath the second line of cards. Once your cards are placed, get comfortable and bring yourself into a meditative state or prepare to do some energy work in whatever way you usually do in your practice. I will sometimes use a wand here to draw the energies of the cards I've chosen into one point. Take some time to gather the energies you've called upon into yourself. Seek the blessings of the universe, the source, the divine, or whatever else holds power for you. When you are finished, thank the powers you've called on, including the tarot, and close out your ritual. This is a great way to do rituals on a budget and to go deeper with the tarot as you learn. Let me know if you put together any tarot rituals yourself. I'd love to see your ideas. Next up is the meditation station. This week's meditation is an affirmational meditation. This meditation consists of 22 I am affirmation statements. Each statement is based on a card of the major arcana. I really wanted to encapsulate each card in one sentence so that this meditation could be multi-purpose. 
you can use this meditation as an affirmation meditation where you internalize the medicine of the statements or speak the affirmations into reality. The other use for this meditation is to use the statements to understand the energies of each card in a more personal way so that you can apply the knowledge in your readings. I wanted to give you a little bit of insight into what I was thinking as I crafted these affirmations for the meditations and ruminate on the major arcana with you a little as well. So we'll start with number zero at the Fool and we will end with number 22, the World. I adore the fresh, new naivety of the fool. I think naivety gets a bit of a bad rap. I think it's important for us to be conscious of the dangers that are present in life, but I don't see anything wrong with trusting in people and in the universe. That's what inspired the fool's affirmation. I trust the universe to guide me down the path to my highest good. The creative, magical energies of the magician often inspire me to do and try things that I have never considered possible before. It's a card all about power and potential, and so I made the affirmation for this card, I have the power to manifest all that I desire. The High Priestess is all about intuition and higher knowledge that comes from somewhere outside of ourselves, but that we must find by turning within. It's an energy that connects and receives understanding from the source and the universe in a deep, integral part of ourselves. That's why the affirmation for the High Priestess is, I hold within me the knowledge of the universe. The Empress is a powerful, no-nonsense nurturer. She guides and creates and holds life and death in the palm of her hand. It is by her choice that all things come into being, and this truth is reflected in the affirmation, I have the ability to breathe life into the world around me. The emperor has an energy of control, sometimes gentle, sometimes not, but always in command of everything. There is a raw power in this card that I really love. This is what inspired the affirmation for this card. I am in control of myself and my response to the trials of life. The Hierophant is traditionally about organized religion and wise mentors. My view of it has shifted in the last year or so to be more about the structures that we create for ourselves to keep us safe and happy. It is a much more pleasant idea, and it removes the baggage that this card used to have for me. It was this shift that inspired the affirmation for the Hierophant. I create structure and stability according to my own inner wisdom. I went the traditional and sort of obvious route with the affirmation for the lovers. In its most simple form, it's about love in all of its forms, platonic, romantic, familial, and otherwise. Love is hopefully the guiding force of everything we do. The best of us love truly and deeply. This is what inspired the affirmation for this card. I am a reflection of the unending love of the source. The chariot has an energy that screams intentional action to me. It's all about grasping the reins of life and moving forward with purpose and direction. It's a different kind of control than the emperor is in that the chariot feels more joyful and less about keeping things safe through action. The affirmation for the chariot is, I determine my own fate through steady progress towards my goals. Strength is pretty self-explanatory as far as I'm concerned. It represents the strength it takes to live the life we're given, take hold of ourselves, and take action to make those things take the shape that we want them to. It's about persevering and trusting yourself. 
That is what inspired me to give space for those qualities to manifest in this affirmation. I exude self-confidence, courage, and positive energy. The hermit is about retreat in order to gain perspective. It's an intentional choice that we must make throughout our lives. It is usually a learning process that we go through so that we can learn to recognize the times when the retreat is necessary. The affirmation for the hermit is, I pause to reflect on my life and my actions when it is needed. The Wheel of Fortune speaks to inevitable change and the passage and progression of time. Life goes on, no matter how we strain and scheme against it. I often find it to be a caution against stagnation caused by the fear of change. I release any expectation I have for the way my life will go in order to gain the experiences that are best for me is the affirmation for the Wheel of Fortune. Justice is about surety and the balancing of the scales. In it, we take swift action to ensure that there is reason, honor, and justice in the world around us. These ideas brought the affirmation, I am perfectly balanced in mind, body, and soul to me. The hanged man is a call to change our perspective. If the change doesn't happen by choice, life and source will humble us by force if it needs to. It's a reminder that our experience is not the only experience and that there is much to be gained by listening to and understanding the perspective of others that are different from us. These values inspired the affirmation for this card. I am willing to listen to others so that I may gain new perspectives and understanding. Death contains the energies that rule rebirth, new alignment, and the release that must come before blessings come to us. It is as inevitable as the wheel, but demands a different kind of respect and processing. It is the idea of letting go to gain something even better when we don't know what is to come that inspired this affirmation. I release all things that do not serve my highest good and greatest progression. Temperance is the blending of energies, the power of compromise, and creating the collective experience in consciousness. It reminds us that we are not alone in this life, and that while our internal world is important and must be tended to, we cannot be passive in the collective external world. These ideas helped me form the temperance affirmation. I join with others to blend our energies in order to create a joyful collective experience. The devil is a revelation that we often forge the chains that bind us, and as such, we have the power to slip and break those bonds. It demands that we stop looking at the powers and pleasures around us and confront the things that hold us back and keep us down. As such, I break the bonds of self-harm by making self-love and care a priority in my life is the affirmation for this card. The tower brings to us a change that feels sudden and unexpected. It rips the rug out from under us and says this is how things are now. We cannot escape it and we cannot control it. All we can do is accept it and move through it. This inspired the affirmation. I accept unavoidable change and welcome new things in with an open heart. The star breathes life and healing into us. It honors and respects our limits as well as the work we continue to do to expand. It reminds us that as we keep hope in the forefront of our minds, nothing is impossible. The affirmation for this card is, I heal myself by cultivating peace, harmony, and hope. The moon opens our eyes to the mysteries of the universe and the deep knowledge of those mysteries that we all have within us. It breaks down barriers and shatters the illusions that we bind ourselves with. 
these qualities inspired this affirmation. I see through illusions in order to grasp the deep esoteric knowledge of the universe. The sun is a celebration of ourselves in our fullest, deepest happiness. It's the space in which we recognize how far we've come and how much we've done and revel in it. This inspired the affirmation, I am fulfilled by simple happiness and a great joy for living. Judgment brings the accomplishments we celebrate with the sun before the collective, the source, and the universe. It asks us to deeply examine ourselves, our beliefs, our actions, and our choices. In its power, we make the final adjustments to our current experience of life. With this in mind, I wrote the affirmation, I am reborn with every new change that I make. The world is complete fullness. It is the end of a cycle and the finishing of a chapter. It is the culmination of every struggle, every success, and every choice that is made on the path that we have walked. It is that which makes the struggle worthwhile. The affirmation for this card is, I am liberated by the knowledge that I am whole and complete within myself. I hope that this little meditation station has given you some insight into this week's meditation. You can find it in the feed of wherever you listen to this podcast or on the Simply Witchery YouTube channel. Next up is Tarot Time. and Fanuel, Angel of Truth. I love the artwork in this deck very much. The problem with it is that it's almost beautiful beyond words. Bear with me as I attempt to describe these figures depicted in these cards. You can check out my blog for pictures of the cards. Renf takes the form of a creature that sits on the slope of a jagged, shining green and bronze rock that bursts from a source we cannot see. The figure has white skin, its shoulders look almost feather-like, and its head is reminiscent of the curve of a question mark. The ever-burning fire adorns its head and shoulders. Clouds are lit by the light of the sun behind this figure, and a half-circle curves there as well, adorned with symbols. Zadkiel's form is that of a four-armed creature with horns, dark skin, and bright green eyes. In two of its hands, it holds a burning flame, in the third, a sword, and in the fourth, a single scale that also holds a green flame. Golden gauntlets adorn each wrist, and its chest is covered by armor of the same color, with a green gem glowing faintly in the center of its chest. It is surrounded by lengths of golden cloth and the green fire. Fanuel also takes the shape of a many-armed creature. In one hand, it holds a bowl of fire held up toward the sky. Its other arms lay relaxed in a meditation pose. Its legs are crossed at the ankles in front of it. It is draped in white and black robes, and a sphere of light shines brightly just above its head. Behind it, several floating objects can be seen in the distance. They float above brown and golden hills that roll away into the distance. Remph reminds the collective of ever-passing time. Moment by moment, our lives continue moving. Time moves us along with or without our consent or the need for us to be conscious of it. It is a reminder that life is finite. This, however, is not meant to be a reminder that causes us to fear. It is a concept we simply must accept and then move forward with its truth in the forefront of our minds. Zadkiel asks us to bear our soul to those that we have wronged so that we can be given the blessings of mercy. 
we are all human and we are all flawed what's done is done but we must own the consequences of our actions those we have wronged will have justice one way or another we can heal the wounds that we have caused or vindication will it's our choice in concert with zadkiel fanuel reminds us that truth always wins out if not in this life then in what comes after if we choose to embrace truth in this life it will clothe us like armor and be a guiding beacon in our lives if we reject it in this life its light will be shed on us in death and we will deal with what the truth reveals then i hope these words help to guide you to your highest good where peace and blessings flow this week's listener question once again comes from instagram and the querent asks what should i focus on to have a successful career i pulled three cards for you from the welcome to night vale tarot the six of wands the eight of swords and the two of pentacles the cards have an individual message for you today so i will describe them to you and then give you their message the six of wands depicts six red books being held aloft from the flames that surround them by six people we cannot see it asks you to be confident in yourself you have what is needed in order to succeed as long as you keep trying and doing your best there is no such thing as failure for you only chances to learn and do better when things don't go your way the eight of swords pictures eight nodes connected by gold lines on a green background it is very reminiscent of a microchip it wants you to remember that when you are unsure of what to do that you must not give away your power trust the little voice that whispers to you in the back of your mind it knows the way the two of pentacles is a picture of a clock whose inner workings we can see through its face the two of pentacles is a picture of a clock whose inner workings we can see through its face the hands point at what would be one o'clock it has eights in every position the hands are each tipped with a five-pointed star it counsels you to cultivate balance and adaptability in your work life there are hills and valleys in all things and you will experience each of them when you are at a high point celebrate yourself the work you've done and how far you've come when you are in a valley remember that this is not forever and another peak is on the horizon as long as you keep moving and trying things will work out thank you dear listener for sending in your question it was my pleasure to read for you and i hope the reading resonates with you love and luck to you in everything you do here we are at the end of this week's episode thank you so much for listening please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and ratings and reviews would be greatly appreciated if you would like a transcript of the episode please visit our blog at simplywitchery.wixsite.com home you can find daily oracle readings magical tips and spiritual musings at simplywitchery on instagram and twitter check out our youtube channel for guided meditations and lots of other magical goodness if you'd like to receive a reading for yourself on a future episode send your question to simplywitchery at gmail.com or send me a direct message on any of my socials the music in this episode is where was i by lee rosevere love and light to each and every one of you and i'll see you next time bye